1: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs, across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper.
0: Does the area that you live in seem to be changing? Well, I'll guarantee you the answer is yes. Uh, Nothing stays the same. And sometimes it's gradual, and sometimes it's like a tsunami, and uh, the old... (laughs) The older I get, the more it seems like a tsunami. Uh, I think because I can remember when I remember going to a funeral one time, and uh, they were sitting there in the church waiting for the service to start, but the family were was seated and reminiscing, and uh, one of the they started taking down the conversation, and a cousin of mine started out and says, "I remember when." and his mother hit him on the leg or slapped him a little bit on the leg and said, hush, we've heard enough. And I think sometimes we have heard enough about I remember when or what it used to be like. Well, this is Bert Harper, and I could reminisce all day, but I refuse to do that. And the co-host is Nathan Harper because he's heard me reminisce enough, and he doesn't want to hear the other stories about all the past. But things, they are changing, aren't they, Nathan?
1: Uh, yes, that's the nature of of life is 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 change and sometimes for good, sometimes uh, for bad. And whether this is good or bad, we want to talk about some changes that are happening in specifically in the American context, um, in some ways it, it relates to really everywhere around the world. Um, and we talk about missions in different mission fields. Uh, you could see this these trends happening. Um, In other places besides the U.S., but specifically, we want to talk about uh, the North American context. Um, And today, we want to talk about three shifts that are occurring, uh, missional shifts that are shaping the North American context.
0: And this affects churches. It affects missional organizations, small groups it will affect everything that anybody has the idea of outreach or evangelism or discipleship.
1: Yeah, it affects uh, parents dealing with children. It it affects you and your neighborhood. Uh, so it, it has effects whether you recognize it or not. Um, they're there, and it's good to look ahead and, and, and kind of catch the trends and see what things are happening so our witness will be more effective. And uh, again, it's I think it's biblical to... Understand uh, what we're what we're the the times that we're living in. That
0: sounds like a Bible verse somewhere.
1: Yeah, uh, (laughs) First Chronicles twelve thirty two talks about uh, the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. You're not to stick your head in the sand and and let it go by and pretend it's the same. No, I think the the men of Issachar provide a good model for us for the church to understand. The times and places, the context, if you will, cultural context uh, that we live in, and then also know what we should do uh, about it and how to reach people living in that context. Well, let's take this journey. And
0: again, this is Exploring Missions here this weekend. We hope you're having a great weekend. And Nathan's going to lead us through these three missional shifts that are taking place here in our own country and shaping the way we might look at missions and outreach. So, take us on this journey, Nathan.
1: All right. First, the first shift we want to look at is um, is the demographic shift. Okay, and specifically, what we're talking about when we say demographics, uh, we want to talk about the move of the population, and it's already occurred a few years back. It 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 went over the fifty percent mark, but the move of the population from uh, rural or Agricultural areas into the cities, into urban areas, um, more industrial kind of kind of places. So, a uh, uh, one word to describe this would be urbanization. So
0: what what happened is a lot of the churches uh, go to the places that are easier. You want to plant churches where you will have quote success, far as the world and success far as planting churches. Is seeing one grow and reach people and uh, found out it was easier in the suburban area and the rural area than it is in the urban and inner city area. That's and that's right. where, but yet that's not where the people are moving to uh, uh, the suburban. They, that took place earlier and now this seems to be going back in.
1: Right. So there are more people now living in uh, in cities than outside of cities here in the U.S., and that's also occurring in, around the world as well. Um, but just a few little notes about this to kind of confirm this. So the United States is becoming more urban at an average rate of about 1 million additional acres per year. So all the U.S. cities are growing at a rate of 1 million acres per year. So the cities are getting larger even geographically in physical in physical, uh, in physical ways. Um, so that's really the equivalent. Imagine this: it's the equivalent of adding a new urban area the size of Los Angeles, Houston, and Phoenix combined. So we're basically taking three large American cities and adding that uh, in land area to the U.S. every every year. That's that's beyond comprehension. If you want to know the truth, it is. It's it's sprawl. You can call it urban sprawl if you will. Um, and so the U.S. urban areas have more than quadrupled since 1945. Okay, 1945, the U.S. was majority rural population, but now it is more urban population. Well, a
0: denomination that I'm a part of and you've been a part of, Southern Baptist has a the North American Mission uh, Ministry there, and uh, they, matter of fact, they identified... That issue a few years ago, and identified some cities that we had kind of. Well, I don't say kind of. We had neglected. Would you say that's okay? Yeah, you neglected.
1: Run, run away from. Um, not been as successful in maybe. And so
0: they purposely identified this issue of urbanization and said we're going to put some resources into trying to reverse what we did in a decision. I'm not. I don't think it was purposeful. I think it was the whole idea of okay, let's go where, you know, it's easier. It's always that way. Uh, I was I majored in math the first two years of my college career, Nathan, and you, and they were taught especially geometry and trigonometry. Find the quickest route, the easiest route, and go there. Sometimes I would get the right answer to a math problem, but I would. It go around the world to get it, and the professor would say, "Bert, here's the formula. Take this formula, and you'll have you won't have five or six different steps. You only have two. Right? And so sometimes taking the easier route of going to the suburbs or rural area, uh, you know, and men- mentally we could justify that, but not biblically. You cannot justify that.
1: No, I mean, and and talking about. Uh, numbers. Um, here's one. So every four out of five, four out of every five Americans live, work, and or play in U.S. cities. Okay. That's four out of five live, work, and or play. Some don't live there. They, they commute in to work. Um, and some play, that's considered um, just some sort of activity that ha- they have to go to the city to to engage in
0: well, a lot of the cities they talk about their day population and their night population. Right, the day population because of what you're talking about the commute, it it doubles at least and maybe even more many right. times. Uh, and then when they go back out, you know, it goes back to quote the living population right. that
1: lives there. So if 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 you're just take away the American concept of things, take away even the city concept of things, and just say just look at those numbers, if if you're trying to reach a group of people, in four and four out of, those, of every five of those people, four out of every five are in can be found in a certain place at certain times. Wouldn't would it not just make strategic sense to go to that same place, and not ignore that? Right. It does. So that's what we have when we're talking about urbanization in in American it's cities. It's going to take
0: some creativity to get that done.
1: It 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 will. But.
0: God is the God of creation. I believe he gives what we need in order to accomplish his
1: will. That's right. So the first missional shift is urbanization. And just plain and simple, we want to encourage you to pray about and consider whether you're uh, a leader in your church or just an individual who is feeling maybe led to uh, be more active in, in engaging people with the gospel. We want to encourage you to go to the cities. Maybe the city that's closest to you. Maybe there's a city that God is putting on your heart. Uh, begin praying for for a city, uh, but go to the cities. It's time the church quits neglecting and turning their back on it. I
0: recently uh, talked to a pastor, and the summer you know trips that they take, youth trips, which used to be nothing but pleasure and singing, and now most of the youth trips that I hear about have to do with missions and discipleship. That's a great improvement over the in the youth ministry. Isn't yes. I? estimation, and they left here in northeast rural Mississippi and went to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania to right downtown in the inner city, and he said, you talking about, you know, now, again, their cities closer, but the idea is that, man, there's people there who desperately need the Lord, and go, Amen. go.
1: All right, let's talk about the second shift that's taking place in North American context, and we want to talk about the socioeconomic shift, Okay. And this this kind of fits a little bit in with urbanization; uh, they all fit together somewhat. But the socioeconomic shift, what we are talking about, is globalization. Okay. Now, some people hear the word globalization and they and they run away, or they cover their ears, or maybe they get angry and and uh, they see it as a bad word. But it's really just a describing word to to really describe, reflect what's actually happening, and it's a social. Um, it it revolves around the social sphere, but also the economic sphere. And so there are good and bad sides to globalization, but the fact that it's happening uh, doesn't need to be uh, ignored.
0: You mean we can't ignore such things? We don't uh, ignore reality? No, let's
1: not not ignore reality. (laughs) That's, uh, you know, Jesus never ignored reality. He did not. And he always, you know, he was was always real. And, And again...
0: Uh, We're talking about reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is so vital and important. And regardless of how you feel about it, the responsibility is to go and make disciples. That's That's our responsibility, regardless of whatever political, governmental issues you have. As a believer, we're called on to make disciples.
1: All right. So what does this uh, shift, this globalization look like? Uh well here's maybe the best way, couple couple of good ways to describe it. One, uh there's been a book written in the last ten or so years called um the the world is flat. And now we're not talking about uh flat earthers or uh that, now, if that kind anybody of anybody
0: that is listening and they listen to exploring the word, the other program that I do, we know we'll get that question every once in a while, don't you know the world is really flat? So we're not
1: talking no. about geographical, right? No, we're not talking about the the shape of the earth. Okay, go um, ahead. But we're talking about how the earth or the world, the, the cities in the world and the the economies in the world, how they function. And it's, it's been flattened. In other words, it's easier to move around from one place to the other. It's easier to do business uh, from one city in one country with business in another city in another country. What used to take um, days and weeks and months in travel uh, or correspondence um, now just takes minutes, seconds, and and to to move money around, you know, paperless digital uh, funds can can happen in a in a snap, you know, with a click of the mouse. And so, what affects what happens in one country in one obscure uh, kingdom or or uh, a uh, legislative house affects business and, you know, maybe a, even a small business on the other side of the world in a little village. So, you you know, you, we're, there's a connectedness. And so when we say the world is flat, that's kind of metaphorical for what we're talking about.
0: So it affects everybody in the United States. Now, this should affect the rural areas and the city areas that's right. in so many ways. That's right. Because of the Internet, because of everything we do is so connected. Uh, the word connect is really means more today than it used to. Used to, the connect was we would have to purposely go and walk through town and find somebody sitting on the front porch and join them. Now, I, I know that was Mayberry, but anyway, I can remember when. And But today, more folks are, are connecting, not just through the economic and but also social media. That's right. And and even social media affects this and what people have heard exactly. and what people see on Facebook or what
1: they've read on Twitter. It affects it all, doesn't it? It does. There's there's a cause and effect relationship and there's connectedness. Now how how deep and how healthy that is, that, that can be another program we could talk about. But um you know there's there's here's another picture. I, I, I talked about the world being flat Another picture that demonstrates this uh, globalization is, uh, well, maybe you've heard of the actor named Kevin Bacon. Have you heard of him? Yes. Have you heard the little game associated with him, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? (laughs) And you try to come up with the movies that connect back with Kevin Bacon. Supposedly, every movie ever made, you can, within six degrees, connect it back to (laughs) to Kevin Bacon. Well, that idea of degrees of separation, and it used to be six degrees of separation. Now it's down to four. They've studied, and it's four degrees of separation. Now, what we mean is any, any one of us that's listening or here today is, is connected to another person, random person on the other side of the world, any, any just random place you find on the map, and you find a random phone number, and you find a random person. We can be connected with them within four degrees. And here's how you kind of could prove that. Uh, somebody randomly gives me somebody's name, some Chinese guy in some village in, in uh, rural China, and within four other people, I can take a package and and ship it to him if I wanted to. I could take something and put it in a package and, and have it shipped, FedEx or UPS or something, and I, if I don't know this guy or know where he lives, I can think of somebody. I, I have a friend that lives in Hong Kong. I'll ship it to so-and-so in Hong Kong, and they're a little bit closer to this guy. Well, my friend in Hong Kong might know somebody on the mainland and can ship it over there, maybe Beijing or somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And within four <laughs> degrees, we're all connected with any individual on the on the planet. And so we're not sailing the seas anymore the way we once
0: did. So here, here's what I'm saying. There's the danger of trying to do discipleship and missions uh, like we did Back then, the message hasn't changed, but the methodology is yeah. completely different. And, and and for some of us, that's, that's eye-opening, but it's real. And regardless if you want it or not, yeah, we long for the good old days, part of them, not all of them. And uh, yes, but... It's not there anymore. We live in this real demographic shift and social economic shift. It has happened.
1: Yeah, and it's and in some ways you could see the potential for excitement in that we don't have to be the uh, the Robin Robinson Crusoe type missionary to pack up everything and go to the other side of the world and you know on this deserted island all by ourselves and and be this hero type uh, messenger. Uh, that saves the world, we can just simply make a connection with whoever God has put in our lives and share the gospel message and see that go viral and see them share the message with people. And then they would share the message with their people and it and it, it, it just naturally happens to get to the other side of the world.
0: Sounds like the tale of two cities is the best of times and the worst
1: of times, Nathan. Yeah. And, and that's, has that always, I think that's always been the case. Now, one, one thing that um, has been... Um, when we talk about mission work, the way mission work used to be done or seen to be done uh, before globalization, uh, there was this saying uh, that people would use from the West to the rest. In other words, the, the travel of the gospel, um, the message of the gospel, the mission work would, would have to go from the West, either the U.S. or you know, Britain or an, a, a Christian European nation uh, would have to go from there into all the other places around the world where the gospel witness kind of was lacking or did not exist, but that's not the case anymore. In fact, um, there's been such a shift even in when it comes to Christianity. You know, the center, of the heart of Christianity is probably somewhere in West Africa right now, um, where the average Christian is probably a teenage African girl who follows Jesus and loves Jesus, and the gospel has gone to her. And so now mission work doesn't just take place starting in the West and going to the rest of the world. Mission work now, because of globalization, it needs to be f- uh, from everywhere to everywhere. Yeah.
0: But our connection is is because of the possibility of, we were talking about earlier about transfer of the financial funds and transfer of information, that possibility of us being connected with that girl to aid her in carrying out her yes. mission is real, too. It, it opens up even greater possibilities for those of us who are sending That's right. and giving, doesn't
1: it? We're talking about global partnerships. We are, yeah. It's not just me doing it by myself, the hero, um, you know, the great white hope, if you will. It's nothing like that. It is. It's the body of Christ working together and carrying out the Great Commission. This is how Jesus intended it from all along.
0: makes you think of Revelation at the throne where all the people from all the nations of the earth, people are going to be gathered around the throne. That's right. So it's it's already happening in the area of carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: That's right. So we want to encourage you. This is kind of an action point uh, tied to this shift, is we want to encourage you as a church, as an individual, as a family, to be intentional to make global connections. Now, you might not know someone on the other side of the world, but you probably know someone that is from another part of the world who is living near you or connected with you in some way. Have you noticed even in the churches where I've been and they've gone on
0: an international mission trip that they make connections with the people there? And because of all the Internet connections, they stay friends with them and help them and pray for them. The connections are not that difficult anymore. No, they're not. They can be made, but you need to be intentional.
1: It's, it takes intentional uh, thinking and and think strategically about that, how God has placed that person in your life for his purpose of making disciples of all the nations. Well, so,
0: this is Exploring Missions, Bert and Nathan, and we're talking about three shifts, that three missional shifts that are shaping the way we need to do missions here in North America.
1: Yeah, so let's move on to the third shift. And this one's kind of a combination of things, but we want to talk about the philosophical spiritual shift that has been taking place really for a while here in America in uh, other places as well. Um, but to kind of alliterate it, to help us remember, we, we're really talking about tribalization and trivialization of the truth. Okay?
0: Trivialization.
1: Yeah, trivialization. So I making gotcha. it trivial, making truth trivial. Right. Um, you could you could call that postmodernism if, if you would like. Uh, but when we talk about tribalism or tribalization, um, what we're talking about is we're moving from a modern uh, period into a postmodern period of, of philosophical thought, and even it's affecting just daily life. Um, your generation, my generation, uh, we were much more, we're kind of, I was on the tail end of modernism probably, um, but we were much more individualistic. Than younger generations coming up, younger generations—you can call them the millennials or um, whoever—they're more connected. There's even a greater seems like there's a greater need for them to be connected uh, with one another or with a small group of people who think like them and act like them. There's a sense of needing to belong, and and so uh, you know if you could point to a lot of people have pointed to the the curse of the modern American is loneliness, you know? Well, the younger generations are growing up and they're less individualistic. They're more tribalistic. In other words, they have the need and desire to belong. Um, it's an overflow of that individualism, but at the same time, they're finding some uh, a little bit of success in that and so that need to belong. And I think we need to take great note of that and how to share the gospel uh, with younger people. Um what if what if our churches became a place for them to belong? Yes, um, and as they belong, they they grow in their belief mm. in who Jesus is.
0: You know, you go back to the first problem that man faced was not sin; it was aloneness, and God made Eve. Yeah. So God has made the church to help fill that need of aloneness in individuals' lives here upon earth that are that need a desperate relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Nathan. That's right.
1: Uh, We could do a whole show on this one shift, Uh, but as time is running out, I just want to jump to uh, maybe a final point about uh, trivialization of the truth, uh, tribalization of society, Um, but it comes down to really what I see as biblical neglect. You know, you could call it biblical illiteracy, um, but that illiteracy comes from neglect, Yeah, you know? Um, and so not, a, not, a, not just young people, the, we're talking about older generations who have failed, you know, and maybe there's been a, a trying to, to succeed, but in whatever ways, we've not really passed the baton on of, of you know, truth to the you, next generation.
0: You know, this is true. I'm, I'm just using this illustration. Phone numbers. I've got my cell phone here and I've got three sons. And I don't think I could tell you their numbers real quickly. I'd have to think of it real hard because I go to my phone and I put in Nathan, yeah. Matthew, or Micah, and it comes up and I press that button and it calls you guys without me knowing the numbers. We've if if it takes labor to memorize the word of God and then to, you know, I, I would say meditate upon the word of God that you've memorized. Uh, it's work, and, and we've made everything, if it's hard, let's not do it. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to, I, here I am trivializing that, but I think you're right, Nathan. I think that is yeah. so true that we're biblically ignorant of those things.
1: So this this action point is probably a little bit more difficult to come up with and, and to focus on, but one of the things we can try to encourage each of us to do is be intentional about engaging um, maybe neglected people, uh, maybe forgotten people, whether they're unreached people groups of immigrants in, in, in America, or whether that's the next generation that of millennials that, for some of us, they're hard to understand and, and, and connect with, but encouraging each of us to go the extra mile to make those connections with people and engage people with the good news of Jesus. I'll tell a quick story that just kind of drives us home. I'll never forget I was sitting in a in a bookstore, a little coffee shop attached to that bookstore. This was several years ago here in this in this town in the center of the Bible belt. And I just happened to overhear the conversation at the table next to me. And it was three or four college age young people. And they were discussing the latest Harry Potter book that had come out. So it tells you how long ago it was. And they were talking about Harry Potter and they were kind of going back and forth with all the trivia of, of the books And somehow the Bible got brought into the conversation. And all four of those young people, they were up to date on every single one of the Harry Potter books. Not a single one of them. They all confessed to never have read the Bible. And this is living in the middle of the Bible Belt. You know, and my heart broke thinking this is what has happened. This is how the shift has taken place. And the Bible is much more relevant than any
0: novel or mystery Thank you, Nathan, for taking us out through these three missional shifts that are shaping the mission work here in North America. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions here on the American Family Radio Network. This is Bert Harper and Nathan Harper saying thank you for listening, and we pray that you would be on mission for God as you go throughout your life.